0: Isaiah chapter 5 in one hand, and then John chapter 15 in another. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1, that's where we're going to start this morning. We're going to look at abiding in Christ, abiding in Christ. But look at Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1. Let's look at what the Father here has to say in the Word. Now, now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a winepress therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. So the Lord's saying, I, I built this vineyard, I put, the, I put, I put a tower in it, I took all the stones out of it. I made a new creature, I made a new creature in Jesus Christ out of this person. This person saved. I put the vineyard in there. I I wanted it to produce some grapes, but it started producing wild grapes. And now, inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. So God says, I want you to judge between me and what's going on in my vineyard. Now, this obviously is talking about uh, Israel, talking about Israel as a a vineyard. And God wants Israel to produce fruit, and they're not producing fruit. They're producing wild grapes, bad grapes. They can't be used for nothing. And he's saying, I want you to judge between us. Because verse 4, what could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes, and now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. And I will lay it waste, it shall be pruned, nor digged. Excuse me, it shall not be pruned, nor digged, but there shall come up, briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain not, no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah his pleasant plant and he looked for judgment but behold oppression. For righteousness I look for righteousness behold, but behold a cry unrighteousness. Jerusalem God had made them he said you're like a vineyard I planted you I did everything for you and you turned your back on me and you started producing wild grapes, and now I'm going to let you be destroyed. And that's exactly what happened. That was a prophecy, and that's exactly what happened to Israel. But go back up to verse 4. He says, "What God's, God's question is, what could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Notice he says, in it, not to it. God's in this vineyard. And brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus Christ, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and you. Amen. Now turn to John 15. Jesus Christ takes this principle. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ takes this principle, and at the Last Supper, the Last Supper he has been conducted. He's got down. He's washed the feet of the disciples. Now he stood up, and he's going to give a discourse. This is after the Last Supper. Judas has left to go betray Jesus Christ, and he knows what Judas is doing. So at this time, he's basically giving his last will and testament to the disciples, he's saying, I'm praying for you, I'm going to pray for you. And he does go on to pray for them in John 17. And he goes and gives them instructions, but he's telling them what he expects out of them. In John chapter 15, this is when he goes into it, and he's using kind of as a type what we just read in Isaiah 5. I, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husband. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth Much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. This morning, I want to preach on abiding in Jesus Christ. Why should we abide in Jesus Christ? And maybe more importantly, how can you keep abiding? How can you abide in Jesus Christ? I want to ask those questions, and I want to answer them this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray, Father, that it'll be your words that are preached and not mine, Lord God. Put me behind the cross, Father. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's everything about what he's done for us, Lord. We're nothing without Jesus Christ, Lord. We readily admit that, Lord. We're sinners. And, Father, we know the only thing that's good in us is you in us, dwelling in us, Father, producing the fruit that you won't produce, Father. And, Lord, I pray a special blessing on these people, Lord God. I pray a hedge of protection around every heart, Father. And I pray, Father, that uh, if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that can think of a time that they, they never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Father. As so we give the invitation after the end of this service, Lord, they'd come down. And get saved, Lord. Maybe there's somebody that needs to come down, Lord God, and just get on the prayer of altar. At altar, Lord, and just talk to you about something. For whatever you have for them, Lord God, we pray, Father, as we go through the rest of these services, your Holy Spirit will move, leading, guiding, directing us into all truth. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, go back up to verse 1. I'm going to talk about abiding in Christ, how we can abide in Christ, and why we should be abiding in Christ. But let's break down what Jesus Christ has for us here in verse 1. Chapter 15, verse 1. He says, I am the true vine. Amen. Notice, he says true vine. Brothers, if there's a true vine, then there's a false vine. If there's a true light, then there's a false light. That false vine is found in Revelation 14. If you go home this this morning, read Revelation 14, you're going to see that false vine. And that false vine is the vine of the earth. It's the grapes of wrath that God pours into the winepress of the wrath of God at the end of the book of Revelation. That's that that vine. But Jesus Christ says, I'm not that vine. I'm the true vine. Jesus Christ says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. He's the way, the true way. That means there must be false ways. There's always, God, Jesus Christ is always the truth, and the devil always comes in and tries to give you something that mimics the truth in every way. He says, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. So Jesus Christ is the vine. God the Father is the husbandman. What's a husbandman? A husbandman who's somebody who's responsible for having the, the vineyard to create fruit. He goes in, he makes sure that the vineyards took care of, he wants wants fruit from the vineyard. It's his job to show up and to see if there's any fruit and to get the fruit off the vineyard. Guys, if you study the Gospels, Jesus Christ uses these parables all through the Gospels of the vineyard. And and, and how Israel has let the vineyard go to nothing. And that that the husbandman is going to come in to destroy those wicked uh, husbandman's that are under him and put over somebody else. All these parables Jesus Christ uses. So, so a Jew understand what's, understands what's going on here. And then verse 2, here we are. And every branch in me, the branch is us. That's us. So Jesus Christ is the, is the vine. God the Father is the husbandman. The branch is me and you. Now what is a branch? A branch does nothing. A branch holds the fruit. And it's connected to the vine. But the branch is just used by the vine to produce the, the juices, the nutrients, everything. The vine uses that branch to produce fruit that hangs off the branch. The fruit, the branch is not, the, bran, the fruit doesn't help the branch. What is the fruit for? The fruit is for somebody else to come and to take it off and use it. What does the fruit do for any tree? The fruit on a tree is, pro, is supposed to produce more fruit trees. Amen. Jesus Christ working through you is trying to produce more Christians. Amen. It's trying to get people saved. And it's not you saving them. Yes. Amen? Okay, you see what he's saying? I'm the vine. You're only a branch. Amen. Stop trying to do it. Why don't you get out of the way and let me do it? I'm working through you. But there's a God in, in heaven, there's a heavenly Father that's looking to see fruit off of you. And he wants fruit. So He didn't in Ephesians chapter 2, we, we know that we're saved by grace, not of works. Amen? Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 10, you know what that verse 10 tells us? Created for good works. God didn't just create you to sit on a couch and do nothing for him. He wants you to produce something. He wants some fruit. God expects some good works out of you. But he's, he's a good God. He knows you can't do it. He's going to do it through you. So the, po- the problem with Christianity, like Paul said, the po- problem with Christianity, like Paul said, is it, what dwelleth in me, Paul said, what dwelleth in me dwelleth no good thing. Amen. We know there's nothing good in me, this flesh, this body, but Christ in me created a new creature, a new man, and that Jesus Christ can work out of me and manifest out. So of you say, they'll say, you Christians are hypocrites. Oh, yeah, of course we're hypocrites. I got the flesh and I got the spirit. Half the time, my flesh wants me to do this. The other time, the Holy Spirit's trying to get me to do that. And if I can get out of the way and keep my flesh down, man, the Holy Spirit can do some amazing things. But it's not me doing it. If you let me do it, I'm going to let the flesh do what it wants to do He's the vine, God the Father's the husband. Verse 2, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. He said, if you're, not, if you're not bearing any fruit, there's no use for you. Remember the parable of Luke chapter 13? Jesus Christ tells the parable of, of the tree that's not producing fruit. And the, and the husbandman comes along and he sees that tree and he said, that tree's worthless, cut it down. Get rid of it. I'm tired of seeing it. And what did the carekeeper, the carekeeper say? He said, "No, no, no, give me another year. Let me dung around it, fertilize it, and let me work on it, and then let's see if we. and then if it doesn't produce any fruit, then we can come and take care of it, take it out of the way." What is Jesus Christ saying there in that parable? He says, going to bring in some dung into your life. There's some stuff going to happen in your life. And the reason why it's happening maybe it's because God says, I'm, "I'm tired of it, you need to produce some fruit." I'm looking for fruit. Christian, the Father's looking in your life for fruit. And you need to ask yourself, am I producing any? Do I have any? Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, hey, are you doing good? Are you bearing some fruit? He purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Man, (laughs) So you say, I'm finally producing a little bit of fruit, and the Lord says, okay, that's good now. I'm going to cut on you here, and I'm going to cut on you there, and I'm going to cut this out, and I'm going to cut that out, because I want you to produce more fruit. Yeah. That's the whole purpose of a Christian, is to produce fruit. Verse 3, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. That word of God cleanses you. Reading this word cleanses you guys. That's what verse 3 tells you, all right? Verse 4, verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. Now, let's got the, that brings us to the question that I want to ask this morning. How and why should we abide in Christ? So let's answer the first question. Why, why should we abide in Christ? Well, we should abide in Christ for fruitfulness. That's already been answered, but let that, that, that's the obvious answer. Why should we abide in Christ? Because God wants us to be fruitful, for fruitfulness. Now, notice in verse 2, he says, Every branch that, me, that branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, there's one, he purges it that it may, may bring forth more fruit. There's two, there's fruit, and then there's more fruit. And then look down at the end, end of verse 5. The same bringeth forth much fruit. So there's fruit, there's some Christians in here. There's some Christians, I need to sound of my voice, they're bringing forth fruit. There's some Christians that are bringing forth more fruit, and there's some Christians that are bringing forth much fruit. There's three levels there. If you look at Mark chapter 4. When he's given the parable of the seed, the sower of the seed, in Mark chapter 4, I'll read this to you. In Mark chapter 4, he gives a parable of the seed. He says that seed fell on ground and, and, it, and it came forth. He says in verse eight, Mark chapter four, verse eight, and the other fell on good ground and did yield fruit. Christ says and did yield fruit, and Christ goes on to say that sprang up and increased, and he says it brought forth. It brought forth fruit. He said some thirty, brought how much fruit? Some of it was thirty, some of it was sixty, and some hundred. Thirty fruit, some sixty more fruit, and some hundred, much fruit. So there's different levels. There's different levels of fruitfulness in a Christian's life. Now, I think as a Christian, my personal testimony is there's sometimes I'm bringing forth just a little bit of fruit, sometimes I bring forth a lot of fruit, and there's times I'm not bringing forth any fruit. (laughs) I wish I could be a tree that was bringing forth much fruit all the time. It just doesn't happen that way for me. I just can't keep my flesh down enough to do it. I can't allow the Lord to work through me to do it. So why should we abide in Christ? We should abide in Christ because that's what the Lord wants us to do, is to be a fruit tree and to be, to be uh, fruitful. Look at, uh, look at back John chapter 15, back in John chapter 15. Look at verse 4 and 5. Let's read this together. Abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself. You're not bearing any of the fruit yourself. You're not bearing any of this fruit yourself as Christ bearing it through you. Except that it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. You've got to abide in Jesus Christ to get that fruit so he can produce that fruit out of you. Verse 5 I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing a Christian without Jesus Christ is worthless that's why we have so many worthless Christians in America today they think they're gonna accept Jesus Christ and then go on with their life without Jesus Christ without a spiritual walk with Jesus Christ and we wonder why Christians are worthless today that's the reason why because you're not seeing Christ you're seeing them I don't want you to see me I want you to see Jesus Christ in me my whole job as a Christian is that I don't want you to see kicking. I, well, I want to allow Jesus Christ to manifest out of me. Amen. And I tell this to people all the time. I've told this to church. If you see, something, you see me doing something good, you see something that's glorious to God, that's God. You see me doing something bad, that's not God. That's kicking. That's that hypocrite thing that people say, you're a hypocrite. No, I'm, I'm a Christian trying to live a Christian life. The problem with you, you're a hypocrite that's going to hell. I'm a hypocrite that's going to heaven. Thanks to Jesus Christ. I'm not saying I'm going to heaven because I'm special. I'm I'm going to heaven because of Jesus Christ. Because I'm abiding in the vine. He's the vine. And without me, I mean without Jesus Christ, I can't do nothing. It's a plain truth. It's underline that. Underline that. But with Jesus Christ, with him, I can do all things. Through Jesus Christ, we can do all things. So when you say, My flesh is doing this to me, I can't stop the sin, I can't stop it, I can't do that, I can't forgive, I can't. whatever it is, yeah, you can't. Your flesh can't, but Jesus Christ in you can. So you've got to always allow the Lord to work in you, and you've got to keep that in mind. So why are we abiding? We're a, we're, we should be abiding for fruitfulness. And number two, we find that in verse 6. Look at verse 6. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Wow. So when you f- first read that, you might, if you don't know your Bible, don't know Bible doctrine, you might read that and say, well, look, they're getting, they're getting thrown into hell. They're getting thrown into a fire. That's men. Notice it's men gathering them, not angels. What Christ is talking about there is he's talking about being worthless. He says, when that branch can't produce anymore, it's worthless. It's cut down by men, by not angels, by men, and it's thrown in the fire. It's just, throw, it's just done away with. Because if you're not abiding in Christ, you're worthless. You're a worthless Christian. Look, look at Matthew chapter 5. Keep your hand here, but Matthew chapter 5. Christ goes into this a lot in the scripture. Of course, nobody wants to read it. I want to read about how God loves me. You need to read about how you can be better for God. You know, and it's pretty obvious God loves you. He had not killed you yet, right? I think we need to start looking at how we can be a better Christian for the Lord, how we can produce more fruit. Uh, that's what the Lord wants out of us. We want, to, we want to please Him. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. He, gives a, he, he tells this. He, talk, he's talking to believers here. We can, apply, we can apply this to believers. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, where will shall it be salted? Christ says, you're the salt. What does salt do? Salt preserves. When you put salt on a wound, it stings. Salt adds, add, what does salt do? Salt adds flavor to things. Seasons it up. Christians are a seasoning to the world. Without Without Christ, without Christians, this world would be very bland. We're seasoning, but also when there's a wound, salt stings. But when it loses all that savor, it is thenceforth, look, thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. When a Christian's not doing those things he's supposed to do, that you're worthless. Christ says, you're salt, but if you're not salt anymore, then you're worthless. You're just good for nothing. Look at the very next verse. Ye are the light of the world. Hey, guys, you're the light of the world. How are you the light of the world? Because Jesus Christ is the light of the world, and if Jesus Christ is living in you, then he's shining out of you. Amen? So the world should look at you and say, there is a light of the world. But they're not seeing you. They're seeing Jesus Christ in you. I don't want them to see me. I want them to see Jesus Christ in me. I don't want to draw people to Indian Gap. I don't want to draw, draw people to to King and Hall. I don't want to draw people to a, to a Baptist a belief. I don't want to draw people to a plan of salvation. I want to draw people to the man, the man, Jesus Christ. I want to draw them to a, a loving Savior who died for their sins. And then once I get saved, then we can talk about Bible doctrine. Then we can talk about the truth. We can talk about how to live a Christian life. But the very first thing every man and woman needs is to be drawn to the man, Jesus Christ. And he's living in me. And I hope that the light that's in me will show you that, hey, you see something good on me? It's Jesus Christ. When any of my family members says, how did Keegan avoid jail? And Keegan avoided jail by Jesus Christ. The reason I'm not in jail is Jesus Christ. The reason why I'm not dead right now is Jesus Christ. He could have killed, I could have died a long time. I'm dumb, I'm stupid. Everything good in me is Jesus Christ. I don't mind admitting that. I like to admit that. I love to admit that. Because he's been so good to me. You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, And give us light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. That they may see your good works. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's the message right there. I can call an invitation right there. You're supposed to let God shine his light through you. That's good works. Who gets the glory? Not you. God. Amen. God. He says it right there. That you may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Yeah, it's your good works; it's working through you. But God gets a glory because it's His light shining through you. Amen. John fifteen, John fifteen. Go back to John fifteen. So we want to abide in Christ, so we won't be a worthless Christian. So so many Christians uh, they lost their savior. They won't. So many Christians, this is what's wrong with Christianity today, they want to be just like the world. The world is beating us down so much and trying to shame us for being Christians and trying to make us feel so guilty for being Christians and make us feel like we're so evil and we're so wrong and they call evil good and good evil to the point where a lot of Christians say, you know, I I want Christ, but I want to live like the world and be in the world so I can be a part of the world. And what happens is when you start living like that, You're not shining your light, and you're not being salt. Because you know what salt does on a wound? Just like I said, it it burns. And if you're salty, your saltiness is going to season up some Christianity for other Christians, but it's going to burn some non-Christians really bad, and they're not going to like it. They're not going to like you. And your light's going to shine bright, and those people that like darkness, they're going to flee from the light. If your light's really shining, you're going to have a hard time keeping non-Christian friends. Amen. Because if you're a Christian and you're letting your light shine, you're going to make them uncomfortable and they're going to leave you. I have so many friends. When I got right with the Lord, I got saved, and I I, I was trying to live for the Lord, I lost so many of my my teenage friends at the beginning. Well, they were no friends at all. But the reason why I lost them is because I didn't want to go out drinking anymore. I didn't want to go out breaking into houses anymore. I didn't want to rob and steal. I didn't want to go out and do all the things that we were doing. And I was no fun. But what they were doing was no fun to me then. You can either let your light shine or you can try to hide it live in the world. The devil knows you're there, though. And you're going to be miserable. Okay, chapter 15, John chapter 15. Here's another reason why we need to abide in Christ. Look at verse 7. Let's move on. Look at verse 7. Christ says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. We should try to abide in Christ to get prayers answered. That's what that verse says. We should abide in Christ to get prayers answered. Amen. Everybody in this room wants prayers answered. Amen. And thank God he doesn't answer all our prayers. Because some of them are silly prayers. But we still ask them. We still want the Lord to hear us. We still want the Father to answer them. Well, we need to abide in Christ so he will answer them. Why would God be more prone to answer a prayer of an abiding Christ, somebody's abiding in Christ? Well, because you're a valuable, fruitful tree. I, I try to raise a garden, and really, I'm just a plant killer is what I am. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't come and try to arrest me for killing all these plants. You know, some tree hugger find out I'm raising a garden. He's a killer, go get him, you know. So I get these plants, and I've got all these plants, and of course, I've killed most of them, you know. This poor, poor you got to pray for the plants. I mean, I'm just a murderer. So I go out there, and I'm—but there's always this one that looks pretty healthy. So guess what? That one gets all my attention. I make sure that that one gets a lot more water. That one gets a lot more. I get, put some Epsom salt around that one. I want, that one's looking good. This one over here, it's like, well, you're, nah. <laughs> you're not, not producing any fruit. You're not producing. No, seriously. That squash plant has not produced fruit in a long time. So what happened? I let it shrivel up and die. And my wife went out there and my wife pulled that thing out of that bucket. I didn't pull it out. I didn't have anything else to do with it. My wife went out there and pulled that thing out. Of bu- this one over here, I'm still watering it. It's valuable to me because it's producing fruit. You see where I'm going with this, Christian? If you're doing something the Lord wants you to do and you're allowing Him to use you, your prayers can get answered. Amen. Your prayers can get answered. Now, we know that there's a stipulation of this, and it's found. Don't don't turn it. But First John chapter five, First John chapter five, verse fourteen tells us that if we ask anything according to His will. So it's got to be his will. I mean, sometimes God's will, like it was with Paul, we were learning this in Sunday school, Paul, God's will for Paul was for him to be in prison. And, and Paul was getting the glory out of that. Paul says, I'm, I, I'm glorifying Jesus Christ in prison. Praise the Lord, I'm in prison. He was praising the Lord for being in prison. What happened to Paul? He got out of prison, he went on to be, he lived out to be about 110 years old and died out of, no, no, no. Paul got his head cut off in prison. That was God's will. But Paul was very fruitful for the Lord. And, and when Paul prayed something, God was answering those prayers. Mm-hmm. But Paul knew, hey, sometimes God's got plans for me that don't go along with my plans. But hey, I'm the tree. I'm just the branch. He's the vine. I'm here to produce fruit. And whatever, however he, wherever he wants me to plant me to produce fruit, if he wants me to plant me in prison to produce f- fruit in prison, that's where I'll be planted. Because I'm only a branch. I'm nothing. And without Jesus Christ, I'm nothing. And Paul understood that, guys. He understood all of that. Look at verse 8. Here's the the fourth reason why we should be abiding in Christ. Here, verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. The fourth reason why we should be abiding in Christ is simply this, to give God the glory. (laughs) See, when I'm up here preaching this, and I'm telling you, hey, it's not me, it's Jesus Christ in me, then I can't, as a pastor, say, look how great I am, look how glorious I am. Everybody say, no, we know that what's going on here. It's God's using you. God's using you, and God will use you. But who gets the glory in the end? God. Jesus Christ. I give all the glory to Jesus Christ, because he's my Savior. So that's why you should be abiding in Christ, so the Father will be glorified. Look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue, continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Man, that's a beautiful verse 11. That verse 11 tells us the fifth reason Why we should be abiding in Christ is so we can have have full joy. Just be happy. If you're abiding in Christ and allow him to use you, work through you through the Holy Spirit, you're going to be a happy Christian. And if you're a Christian that doesn't abide in Christ, you're not allowing Jesus Christ to work through you, you're allowing your flesh to run your life, you're a miserable Christian. If you're not a happy Christian, it's because you're not abiding in Christ. Verse 11 says, i spoken unto you that my joy, the joy of Christ, might remain where? In you. My joy, my happiness doesn't come from what I watched on TV or what music I listened to or how I was, my flesh is stimulated in some way through a drug or some people that have their flesh stimulated through, through sex or through drugs or through some other gate they have, so hearing something, touching something, feeling something. My joy is from within That my joy might remain in you. It's in working its way out. The happiness that a Christian has, nobody can take from us. Hey, Paul was thrown in prison. He should be miserable. What happened to him? They tried to take away his joy. You know what? He had more joy. Philippians, he's writing that from prison. It talks more about joy and rejoicing than any other book, any other letter he wrote. It's when he's in prison the longest amount of time and there's Paul's saying, joy, joy, joy. How does he have that? Because he has Jesus Christ in him. The grace, the mercy you need is in you working its way out. You're not working it in. It's working its way out. You're just trying to keep your flesh under control so the Holy Spirit can work its way out. Right? All right, so that's why. That's why you should abide in Christ. Those are the five reasons I got for you there out of those scriptures. Now, here's the main question, though, and this is the main question that I always have. Well, how can we do that, Brother Keegan? <laughs> how can we abide in Christ? That's, that's, see, we know it's good to abide in Christ. It's pretty obvious, but how can we? Well, let's look back at verse 7. How can we abide in Christ? Let's answer that question. How can we abide in Christ? Back at verse 7. Here's your answer. Here's how you need to abide in Christ. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. By keeping his words in you. Jesus Christ says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. How do we abide in Christ? By his words abiding in us. I know it seems like every Sunday, every other Sunday, I'm raising up this Bible because this is the truth right here. You need to let this abide in you. You get as much of this as you can get into you. Amen. This is where it's going to. What did we read up at verse 3? Remember what we read up at verse 3? Now ye are clean through the word. Yes. I'm not a very clean Christian, Brother Kagan. I, I, I'm not either. The only, thing that, the only way I get cleansed is by this right here. I read it every morning. I try to read it through the day. I try to get as much of this Bible as I can. I try to saturate myself with this word. You need to saturate yourself with the Word. You need to be watered by it. If you're a tree, if you're a tree, Christian, and you are a tree, the Holy Spirit is the water, the living waters. Remember Jesus Christ said the living waters will flow out? That's the, that's the, that's the Holy Spirit. But the, the, that makes the Word of God the nutrients. That's the fertilizer. That's your nutrients. So you're a tree, you're a branch, you need the Holy you need the Spirit, you need the Holy, uh, Holy Spirit, you need the water in you, but you also need these nutrients. I talked to some people, because, you know, I'm such a plant murderer. I talked to them, I was like, man, why are my plants Why, am I, why are my plants dying? Why are they, I'm watering them. Are you watering too much? I don't think I am. And the next thing that always comes up is this. Maybe they don't have enough nutrients. Maybe you need to put some fertilizer on them. Put some Epsom salt on them. Do this, that, and another. That's this word right here. Maybe you need to get in the Word. Well, I am in the Word. Maybe you need more Word. You can't have enough of this Word, amen? Well, I don't think you can. John 14. Turn back one page. John 14. For me, it's one page. John chapter 14, verse 16. Uh, by keeping His Word in you, that's how you're going to abide in Christ. You think there's something to that, Brother Keegan? I know there's something to that. I know it's something spiritual, you can't explain it. say, well, how 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 do you figure that? In the beginning, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the Word. Jesus Christ says in John 17, 17, Sanctify them with thy truth. Thy Word is truth. He says there in John 3, 14, 15, 3, what did he say? That you're cleansed through the word. Guys, this word is very, very, very important. As a matter of fact, the longer, all these 30 years of studying the word of God, you know what I found out about Jesus Christ and the word of God? You can't hardly separate them out. Jesus Christ says, I am the Alpha and Omega. That's the first letter of the Greek alphabet and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. On the beginning and the end. Guys, you can't, there's something about this stuff, there's is, is something spiritual about this book. They've tried, they were burning this book just a couple of days ago. i seen it on, on Twitter. Video of them in, Port, in Portland, Antifa, They had all these Bibles and they there, throwing them in a fire. And these people were going, what a shame, what a shame. I can't believe they're burning Bibles. And I'm thinking, y'all are not reading them anyway. Who cares if they're burning them? I don't care if you burn a Bible. You can't burn the Word of God. You, you know what, well, you could come and snatch this Bible away from me, and I got it right here. Amen. You can't get rid of this thing. They've tried. You can't do it. John 14, now look at verse 16. John chapter 14, 16. And Jesus Christ says to his disciples here before he's t- telling us this, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that's the Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you forever. Amen. Amen. You know, you worried about you worried about losing abiding and not abiding and getting thrown into hell? No, the Holy Spirit's abiding with you forever. He will abide with you forever. Look down at verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my W-O-R-D-S. There it is again. And my Father will love him, and we, Jesus Christ and the Father, will come unto him, and make our abode with him. Abode, abiding. That means dwelling within. Well, I just read to you, verse 16, verse 23, you know what I just read to you? The Holy Spirit's in you, God the Father's in you. He said we, and Jesus Christ is in you. That's the Trinity. You got all three of them living in you. You're pretty powerful. Greater than he that's in you, that's he that's in the world. Huh. Yeah, because you've got God in you. You know why there's not a temple anymore? You're the temple. God dwells in you. He said, There was a time I dwelt behind a veil. Behind It was like, it was like an ark like about this size with angels, and I dwelt in the mercy seat. There was a time I dwelt there. I don't dwell there anymore. The veil at the time of Christ, when he was crucified, the Bible says that veil was rent from the top to the bottom. Everybody could see in. Where did God go? Well, he left there and went whoop, right into me, right into you. He says, I'll just dwell here. That's why Paul gives you all kinds of warnings about the way you act. He said, hey, God's not going to put up with that. He's dwelling in you. He's not going to put up with what you're watching, what you're talking, what you're thinking. What you're, he's dwelling right in with you. So you need to have His words. Those words cleanse you. Those words are going to get you straight. Those words will help you abide in Jesus Christ. Another way, it's John 15. Back in John 15, I'll show you the last way you're going to abide in Christ. It's simply this, and it's a hard way, is by keeping His commandments. Look at verse 10. John 15, 10. If you keep my commandments... You shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. We've got to keep the commandments of Jesus Christ. we just got to act like Jesus Christ. We need to keep His commandments. Whatever He tells you to do, let's do it. He, did He tell us to love our enemies? Yeah. That's a hard one. We need to find a way to love our enemies. Well, I can't find that way. I, don't, I can't. Did He tell us to, love, to forgive? Yes. Well, I can't forgive them. I know you can't. I can't. I can't love my enemies, but Jesus Christ in me can. I need to let him manifest out. I need to stop trying to do it and allow Jesus Christ to do it. I'm going to stop trying to quit this sin and say, okay, Jesus Christ, I can't stop. I'm going to turn it over to you. Will you do it for me? Who gets the glory at the end there? It's not me that stops sinning. It's Jesus Christ in me. He gets the glory. Keep his commandments and you'll abide in him. Look, let's, go, let's, let's close out in 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. I promise we're closing now. 1 John chapter 2. We're going to close right here, brothers and sisters. 1 John chapter 2. We'll close here. What, what time we got? All right. 1 John chapter 2. We're going to close here, I promise. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. We need to keep his commandments. To abide in Jesus Christ, you've got to keep his word in you and you've got to keep his commandments. Act like a Christian. Conduct yourself like a Christian. We're not ashamed to be Christians. Amen. Okay, let's act like we're Christians. So, well, that's hard to do. It's impossible. But with Christ, all things are possible. So, what we're going to do is we're going uh, to start acting like Christ. Because look at verse 6. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. He that saith, He that saith, He abide in Him, ought Himself also so to walk, even as He walked. Man, that's a strong verse. See, John is written by the same man who wrote the Gospel of John, penned it. Holy Spirit gave this to John here, and John says, He that saith he abides in him, yeah, I abide in Christ. You think you abide in Christ? Ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Why are you calling yourself a Christian when you don't act like a Christian? Why are you saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, and you're not acting anything like a Christian. You don't look, you're not producing fruit like a Christian. You don't, have any kind of, you don't have any kind of evidence of being a Christian. John says, you ought to walk like Christ walked. Was Christ loving, forgiving? Well, how was Christ? That's how you should walk. Well, I can't walk that way, Pastor. Well, I, I can't either. But I know somebody in me who can. His name is Jesus Christ. See how I keep going back to Jesus Christ? It's all about Him. See, Christianity is not about men and women. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about us and our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about, hey, I changed my life for Jesus Christ. No, Jesus Christ changed my life. People don't get that. They think, well, yeah, you found religion. No, I didn't find religion. Jesus Christ found me. They, They don't get it. They don't get it. See, they, they look at Jesus Christ as a philosophy, as a religion, as an idea, as a way to live, and we know that Jesus Christ is a man, the Son of God, alive right now. Here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm praying. It's living in me. It's alive in my heart, and they don't get that. They don't get that. They want to try to simplify it, and you can't simplify it. These are spiritual things, brothers and sisters. I can't, I can't say... This is the recipe. Da, 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 it don't work that way. Is, these are spiritual things. And I can't spiritually do that for you. Nobody can spiritually do those things. You've got to allow God to do that through you. Amen. You're born of a spirit. These are spirit, this is a spiritual realm. This goes outside of man, and we don't understand it. So you gotta just let it go and let God work through you. You say, Lord, I don't understand this, Lord, but will you fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord? Will you produce this fruit out of me, Lord? Please forgive me. You've got to start thinking in a spiritual way. You've got to start thinking with spiritual eyes and get your eyes off the world and allow God to work through you. One last one. Look at verse 28. I'm going to show you one last reason why we should abide in Christ. Verse 28, and we're closing. Verse 28. 1 John 2, verse 28. Same chapter. Look at verse 28. One final reason why we should abide in Christ. And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Amen. 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 You know why you should abide in Christ, allow Christ to use you, to work through you, is so you won't be ashamed when you finally get to see Him. You know, even a dog understands this. My son was living with us, and... He has his little Boston Terrier. I love that little Boston Terrier. Now, my wife don't like that Boston Terrier, but I love that Boston Terrier. I fell in love with this Boston Terrier. So my, my son's gone away, and the Boston Terrier's at home, and the Boston Terrier gets mad when nobody's around. So we'd open up the door, and the Boston Terrier would be there, and he's just shaking his, his rear end, and he's so excited to see me, and I'm so excited to see him. And one day we come home, and we open up that door, and I'm, I'm looking for him, and where's, where's he at? And then, uh-oh, I look over at the couch and uh oh, he put a hole in the couch. And I knew my wife was probably going to be madder than a hornet. And I saw that and I said, Where's he at? And I looked down the hallway, that long hallway to my son's bedroom, and there's that little dog out there going like this. <laughs> he was ashamed at my coming. He was ashamed at my coming. He said, I shouldn't have done that. I'm going to go hide out. And then he says, is he mad at me? When Christ shows up, or we go up to meet Christ, are we going to say, are we going to be scared to see him? Because we know that we're ashamed of stuff we've done or stuff we haven't done. That's the reason we should be abiding in Christ. And say, Lord, I, I'm, not a, I'm a no-good Christian. I, I'm a no-good person, Lord, but I tried the best of my ability to allow you to use me. And, and I, I could have done better. And I want the Lord to come up to me and say, you know what? Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's all I'm looking for. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Father, for your grace and mercy. And Father, I pray, Lord God, there's somebody in the sound of my voice that doesn't know what it's like to have Jesus Christ abiding in them, Lord God. I pray, Father, that you would... Speak to the heart the truth, Lord God, that you love them, that you died on the cross for their sins, Lord God, that you were buried, and on the third day you rose from the the grave. Father, I just pray, Lord God, that they would understand that Jesus Christ is their payment for their sin, that they don't have to worry about going to hell, Lord God, that they can ask Jesus Christ to save them, Lord God, and you're listening to them right now as they speak, as they pray, Father, and you'll save them, and you'll indwell in them like you're indwelling in me, you'll abide in them like you're abiding in me, and that you'll have them a place waiting for them up in heaven. Lord, if you're, if you're here this morning, Lord God, with somebody, Father, that's not uh, abiding in you, Lord, that you're, you're not happy with the fruit that they're producing, they're maybe not producing any fruit at all, Lord God. Father, I just pray, Lord God, you'd forgive them. And Lord, I pray, Father, you'd come in, Lord God, show them what they can do to be a better Christian, Lord God. Show them what they can do with their flesh, that they can get it out of the way, that you can use them, Lord God, and manifest out of them, Father. But, Lord, I pray that you'd forgive them, Lord God. And, Father, you know we're just weak. We're just, we're just weak, fleshly men and women, Lord God. And uh, we, we, we were surrounded in this world by evil every turn, Lord God. Everything we see, everything we hear, Lord God, it doesn't have anything to do with you, Father. So please forgive us, Father. And, Lord, I pray that you put a hedge a protection around us, Lord, and help us to abide in you, Lord. We love you, but, Lord, we want to serve you in a better way, Lord God. Show us that. And Father, I just thank you for you, these people, Lord God, that love you enough to come out here to hear from you, Lord. And I pray that you were here this morning, Lord God, move among them. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at indiangapbaptist.com. On the internet, it's indiangapbaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight,